0: Hello. Oh. And good morning, on uh, again to those in New York this morning, and good afternoon to those of us in at Atlantic joining the second Guernsey uh, Green Finance, uh, the t- second part of our two part webinar this morning, covering the topic of the role of private capital finance in sustainability. My name is Dr. Andy Stone and I'm Deputy Chief Executive of Guernsey Finance, and I lead our Green Finance Initiative here in Guernsey, Guernsey Green Finance. Uh, before I start the panel that's with me this morning, I'd just like to take a moment to introduce for those of us watching and aware of our location and was joining us uh, for the second part. Guernsey is a small island, uh, one of the Channel Islands, um, located just off the coast of uh, northern France. We're loyal to the Duke of Normandy, and that's the Queen Elizabeth II of uh, Queen of England, Scotland and Wales, and we're not part of the United Kingdom. Economically, we're a global finance centre specialising in the servicing of private wealth and private funds, administering around a trillion of US assets with a fund set of around 400 million US AUM, and we're Europe's leading centre for administering private equity. As a jurisdiction, We're committed to green and sustainable finance. We've developed the world's first regulated green fund regime, and we've published Green Principles for private Equity earlier this year. Our regulator, the Guernsey Financial Services Commission, is a member of the Network for Green and Financial Services, and our insurance sector is a signatory to the Sustainable Insurance Principles as a jurisdiction we're committed and we're engaged with several united nations global initiatives not least being members of like new yourself the united nations finance centers for sustainability global network and to that point we're super delighted to be taking part in new york climate week 2020 this week today and we really hope to be in person with you next year stateside like I said, we've got a two-part panel today, and the first has just been concluded, moderated by Tim Haynes, Director General of the British Venture Capital Association between 2014 and 2019, and it's a transatlantic panel, Amoroso, JP Morgan, private bank in the US in New York. For the second section here in Guernsey, I'm joined on the sofa um, by a clutch of leading Guernsey figures—not quite the daughters of, as Julian said—but uh, getting there to a generation slightly beneath uh, my 50. Pale male uh, generation. Um, but here they are, the leading figures in the Guernsey private wealth space to discuss the practical matters of how Guernsey and its services and structures have been helping global private clients route capital, particularly to climate finance. And so turning to myself here, may I introduce Alexandra, Partner at Kerry Olson's, a uh, leading law firm, a leading global law firm here based in Guernsey. Emily Holden. Oh, so you've changed the. <laughs> I, <actually don't> <laughs> there. I should have check those. Sorry, Francis. Uh, Francis Watson, also partner from a leading law firm of Morantz, uh, again another global leading law firm, but based here in Guernsey. Emily Holden of Albany Trustees, uh, a leading Guernsey uh, provider for, for services to family office and private wealth here in Guernsey and similarly to, uh, to Rebecca Booth, again, similar. I was looking at the, the list there, wasn't I? Client Director of uh, at Carey Group, similarly servicing private wealth and family offices here in Guernsey. So uh, with no further ado, if I may, you just heard that panel there we were talking about various different uh, topics about you know, the, the role of private equity and private capital servicing sustainability, but particularly in the New the, York uh, Climate Finance. And given the size of our island you know and um you know, we've been channeling funds into into this area C- could you explain maybe just introduce i sort of plugged it a couple of times in the, on the previous of what guernsey in terms of its funds and its products have been doing to root capital into climate finance you know, for the purposes of the majority of people out there that probably won't have heard this story as yet
1: Andy, you mentioned
2: the Guernsey Green Fund, which was, you know, an innovation of, of Guernsey, and it was the world's first green fund product. Um, that has channeled an enormous amount of uh, private wealth into the green space and into sustainable investments, because it's a robust and it's a transparent product. It's this, in a number of ways. The first one and the most obvious one, the clues in the name, it's the Guernsey Green Fund. The investments have to be invested with the objective of mitigating environmental damage, which is consistent with the COP21 um, internationally agreed objective. So 75% of the assets have to be invested in that way, and the other 25% have to do no harm. So it also has to comply with an international standard and the one that is currently in the rules is the common principles for climate mitigation finance tracking. <laughs> That's <really> not, don't <laughs>
1: <it>.
2: <laughs> I wasn't sure I'd be able to get that out. And um, we will shortly be adding in the EU taxonomy and um, uh, so it does it in that way and the other the other way in which it helps is it's a trusted product and the kite mark is gaining quite a lot of recognition mm-hmm. um, the verification process is either an independent third party or an administrator who is licensed and regulated by our uh, regulator here in Guernsey so it, it engenders investor trust mm-hmm. so we see all uh, green investments in those, everything from solar, to wind farms, to agriculture, to forestation. The Bluefield Solar Income Fund Limited is a, is a good example of Guernsey Green Funds, so they're invested primarily in solar and you know, they encourage biodiversity on their sites as well as general energy and the most recent example of the guernsey green fund is the uh, forestry carbon sequestration fund Mm. True north and that the clue is also in the name there in that it attempts to uh deal with carbon sequestration through the afforestation reforestation plan one of the things that we've noticed, which is common to the green funds, is that the managers—be they existing managers with a track record or first-time managers—have had no trouble fundraising. and in fact, the funds are very often oversubscribed, um, and you know have to turn investors away, you know, due to the availability of assets and investments in the space.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, you make a good point there. I remember General, it was generally Allen Jones at the. Uh, Yes. You know, PDM Capital, the, yeah. fund, the very first one, we were in London, and he was you were there as well, and he was talking about the fact that, you know, with the first close, you yeah. know, in the last few weeks, we were against the Green Fund and the, the money came in. And he was, I couldn't prove the causality, but it was a very, very, um, uh, support. Yeah. In fact, in terms of how important is it in thinking that it, from from client's perspective, that, that trusted transparency in terms of signalling to, to clients, did you see it's is important? I mean, yeah, is, it, is it working? well in terms of you know when you're having the conversations with managers and respected clients that trusted transparency and that openness, or the opaqueness payments that julian referred to in the first panel you know is it um do you all experience the same things and Um absolutely you know i think um i
3: think the experience is is you know um for a start the guernsey green fund you know, people want to understand what it is and what it's about, and as you explain the product, you know, and importantly, a lot of this is about verification, the authenticity of it. Um, you know, it, it's it's a very powerful conversation to have, and it's um, you know, it's it, it's very effective.
0: Mm. I mean, and it wraps up, you know, for the, sort of the purposes of the, U- the US, also. I remember Kate Clouds, and when she came back from the States in the first year, was getting an awful lot of interest from US managers talking about wanting that robustness and it you know, does what it says on the tin sort of uh, aspect to it. So, I mean, that's, that's funds. Um, you know, we're here talking about private. We have in the scope, obviously, private wealth, private capital. You know, and we're clearly a leader in, in the fund space here in Guernsey. But we've also got a long tradition, you know, in, that, in the private wealth servicing space. And I'll, I'll temper down my, my, my tone to be more appropriate with that sort of you know, that, that servicing of private wealth and the private wealth tradition. How do you see how is private wealth, particularly amongst family offices and fiduciaries, being channeled in this space?
1: Yes, I
4: mean, uh, as you said, that uh, Guernsey is a hub for um, wealth planning structures, um, and um, with the increasing professionalisation of uh, family offices, we're seeing a strong focus on um, corporate governance, which is increasingly extending uh, into environmental considerations and, and also, um, to some degree, impact investing. Um, Guernsey is offering visions. Uh, Uh, Means that families want to work with um, our fiduciaries over here for wealth structuring and bespoke structures um, that Guernsey can offer to help articulate their beliefs and values and uh, facilitate their sustainable um, investments alongside the uh, targets of financial return. Um, For example, Guernsey's uh, trust law is uh, very flexible and with a Discretionary trust, you can have a specific uh, provision in there which might allow the trustees uh, to invest in sustainable investments, or you can go uh, perhaps a bit further and have um, prescribed directions within the trust documents um, that would enable a certain person to direct a particular investments. Um, we also have charitable trust, purpose trusts, and foundations. Um, which can also lend us to the more philanthropic um, investing and impact investing. Um, At Albany Trustee we see um, sustainability considerations at a variety of levels. It could be from um, employee initiatives within our our business, um, but also for uh, beneficiaries uh, of our structures that we look after. They may request a charitable distribution. Um, It also can form uh, one of um key considerations for um, investing perhaps part of a structure ESG um, in particular is a key um, part of investing and um, discussions with and uh, discretionary investment managers that we work with.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, we can also provide fiduciary services to um, firms that are perhaps uh, more directly seeking Um, A um, risk-adjusted returns but with measurable um, environmental um, reductions and promoting better corporate um, environmental disclosures. Um, For example, we we look after some that uh, specialize in uh, investing in alternative energy and sustainable infrastructures. Um, So it's something I think that's definitely growing um, within the structures that we look after. We've, We've looked after um, structures invested in environmental funds for for a number of years, but um, it's definitely increasing, and I think Guernsey is very well positioned to have a variety of flexible solutions that can can help clients uh, achieve achieve their goals in that area. I, I suppose it doesn't hurt to be associated
0: with simple, transparent, you know, measurement mm-hmm. and products in this space, yeah. and again. Throw a curveball at you it, but it's just a sad end, right? Like, I was reading about US donor f- an article on the internet about US donor funds, yeah, I think to, to your point there, you know, particularly for a US audience. Understanding that actually there are global structures and trust structures that you know donor funds over here, they're, they're, they're not the structure that necessarily that you necessarily need over here because of the different of the, the availability of different donor structures through trust and foundations and whatever. Um, so you know, there are lots of other to that. Absolutely. So, I mean, <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. But you know, I, I do read on the <laughs> evening.
1: <too.
0: laughs> um, but I we, well, I mean, we've all been working tirelessly, so hopefully, get the gist that we all know each other you know online and across across, across the Atlantic but we were together you know, a long time fan. um I suppose one thing I, I sort of shamelessly did the plug for Guernsey with international engagement and this is what we did but maybe it would be useful for people to understand how it's you know sort of within our you know DNA and how this is um you know how we've been working in this uh, in, the wider ecosystem is developed based on just what is our sort of our core competition our core cuts and the way we do things but i you think know, being been an international um finance center but an international sort of rule taker yeah. were, how that has helped us in this space And
3: that, i think that's a, a really important point andy um you know so i think Guns has been an international finance center, I think, for nearly 40 years. And I think um, looking at sustainable finance and our journey there, I think it's, it's, it's important to understand you know, what, um, how we've got to where we are today. So we have had 40 years of experience um, of international engagement, and we've, we've had to do that because we're an international finance center. You know, so some really obvious, obvious examples would be, for example, with AML. So we've most recently been assessed by Moneyval as having very high standards of AML compliance on tax. Um, We have um, a FACO agreement with the US government, we're an earlier adopter of the common reporting standard. And most recently. Um, we have introduced economic substance legislation and so the consequence of this is that we're whitelisted by the EU and the OECD. Data protection is another example so that you know we can send personal data safely to the EU and also receive it back here. It's not just um, internationally or our, our, our tax office, it's also with our regulator as well. Our regulator is a custom to having international cooperation agreements. So for example, in the fund space, where myself and the network, you know, we, we are heavily reliant on the work of our regulator. And when AFMD um, first arrived on our doorsteps, our regulator negotiated MOUs with member states. And the consequence of this is that Guernsey managers are able still to market funds into Europe through NPPR. Uh, and we've been very busy as funds lawyers this year, closing funds, which have raised very significant amount of money on the basis of NPPR, so it's it's in our DNA. And then I think when you take that concept of international engagement in the sustainability finance um, sector, we have continued this journey. And so, you know, as you said at the start of this, Andy, you know, um Guernsey has been um, at the forefront of this of this sustainable finance journey. We're a member of a number of U- UN bodies, including the UNFC for us. I'm just going to give it an acronym because I can't say the full name. <laughs> if you <want> to say <laughs> if you, you're welcome finance, to say it again it? if you would like, yeah. but I'll <laughs> stick to that. Um, and our regulator is also engaged, so it's a member of the network for greening the financial system. And the consequence of this journey of international engagement, I think, in sustainable finance has been really interesting for us in Guernsey. So first of all, we have learned uh, to align ourselves to international standards. It's helped us to bring in a financial system network. We've learned from that, and we've also learned how to regulate it. But I think the thing that's been really interesting for us is the fact that we are really good at product development, and so we've been able to share that expertise back with our international partners, you know, as evidenced by the Green Fund, which Annette's told us about.
0: Absolutely. And so that development of the products and services, with, you know, launching an ILS framework Shortly, you know, we've got times. There are lots of other things too, but you know, based on that, you know, that DNA. Obviously, the regulator regulated being a member of the IFC committee. We're not going to get into there. What that acronym stands for, but you know, it is as you say, you know, it, it's just something that we do. we sort of being part of the sustainable finance sort of collective and international engagement, which was again in the previous panel. So it's something that's going to be really important. So I mean, that's helped to develop that internationalist ecosystem. Rebecca, if I might come back to more here and now in the in the Guernsey sort of perspective. How's that? Our private wealth, our private capital ecosystem plugged into that. How? How do you see that? You know, um, you know, to explain to people how that is developed too, and is, is developed into this space.
1: Mm, certainly, I think from what the audience would have heard from everybody so far is that Guernsey, as a jurisdiction, has the right products mm. to achieve the private capital and sustainability. But it's also got the access to services as well. I think from what you've heard, is the service providers here, whether it's trust company, fiduciary company, lawyers, custodians, banking system as well, are all plugged into that agenda for helping private capital invest into sustainability. It means that we've got an ecosystem here in Guernsey that really enables that positive climate change as well. Um, what Emmeline said about the private capital investment we 're certainly seeing it carry as well we 've had a twofold increase in uh, investment into sustainability in the last two years. It really shows that our clients are interested in making that positive impact and it 's probably governed by and this is surmising here but it 's probably governed by the fact that when you have wealth, you have a responsibility that comes with that. And the generations, the under 40 generations, really has that weight on their shoulders of making a positive uh, impact on the climate emergency. And so we're seeing a lot of investment into this sustainability space. And the reason they're choosing Guernsey is because it's well regarded as a financial services center. We've got family offices here, we've got fiduciaries, we've got funds as well. So we've got that whole ecosystem that helps to uh, generate that motivation towards sustainability and the green finance here. Gens it's got a real leadership role as well in this space and that's well regarded internationally as well. Uh, so, uh, it's 2018, as you know, that uh, Guernsey joined the UN Financial Services Sustainability. Because it's
0: has in New York, it's our link, isn't it? It is, <laughs> <it, laughs> I'm going
1: to talk about it a lot. Um, but what that means is when we did our self-assessment, we actually found that Guernsey had rapid growth in sustainable uh, finance, and that's a really important point on that. Guernsey has this innovation. And it spoke about the the Green Fund. You've also mentioned the ILS. We've got green insurance. Uh, But our regulator, as um, Fran said, our regulator is on the same agenda as well. They're really pushing for sustainability and providing those right products, as I said at the very beginning. Um, But it's not just the regulator as well, it's the ecosystem of the service providers on the island. Mm -hmm. We have had uh, a very good accreditation service set up in Guernsey with international standards, which is the environmental social impact monitor um, accreditation system, which is ESI for short, and that means that a lot of businesses on the island have signed up to show that they are also moving in the same direction for ESG, which is a really important part of our ecosystem for sustainability on Guernsey. But what all of this means is that our, our local government is also on board with this. Uh we we're in the middle of an election as well as the US at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so we we are getting so the instruments <laughs> out the outcome <environments> violence <laughs> will be as <laughs> okay manifestos through through our door and we're having hustings, we're we're having a booklet to read on everybody's independent views on sustainability and I would say a large proportion of those standing for government in Guernsey have some form of green agenda in their manifesto and that just shows how important Guernsey as, as a jurisdiction feels about the issue and that's really contributing to our ecosystem as well. So what all of this means is that our private capital investments feel that Guernsey is safe, it's like-minded, it's going in the same direction and it means that we're really getting traction with people wanting to set up their foundations and trusts in Guernsey because we're all on the same page. Um, it also means that fund managers as well are looking to set up their funds in guernsey for that very reason because they can work with service providers and the regulator as i said before is on that same agenda so the right products access to services and uh, positive change that guernsey can help make in the climate
0: Emergency that we have at the moment. I hmm. mean, that sort of you know, that point there, but that alignment of interests you know, and values mm. between the, the jurisdiction and client and, and, and the course, presumably, it doesn't. You know, doesn't do us any harm that we've also got some significant investors in this space and residents who mm-hmm. invest in this space. we saw a Guy who kind of took quite the first uh, the first panel here. We've had Steve Lansdowne uh, engaged with the finance initiatives in the past. You know that association presumably um, sort of is particularly helpful when you're having conversations with clients. But in terms of that conversations with clients. What are you seeing as the current? You know, what are the current conversations with clients that are looking to invest sustainably? How do you engage them? We had that mm-hmm. conversation before. and Julian Tech made that point about the, the generational gap, and you know, again, sort of, like, sort of doing myself a disservice here. But you know, I'm, I'm sort of more representative of that previous generation, you're more representative of that future generation, and also you know, the sense. You know,
1: yeah. <laughs> but genuinely, because but it's
0: always about that conversation. We heard about the intergenerational transfer. What clients are asking that? Can you maybe explain a little bit
4: your Yeah, well, I think we, we see it kind of both sides. I think, um, as we said, Guernsey's focus and um, kind of the, the joined-up thinking in terms of um, sustainability, that goes through to to you know fiduciary service providers. All of our businesses are thinking about it. We're educating ourselves so that we can initiate that conversation um, with our, you know, the clients across all generations um, to encourage them to consider what their position is on the green agenda but obviously without in- imposing our views okay. but we also see there is a growing interest in ESG in particularly as, as you said the inter- intergenerational um, nature of um, trust structures uh, means that we're now um, increasingly working with the younger generations Um, at the forefront of our client relationships. And it's a key um, topic for them. They have much greater environmental concerns um, and a desire for their trustees or their professional advisors to to help them develop strategies um, which are aligned with their personal values. I think um, in the earlier session, um, Guy mentioned uh, his views on, on longer term investing. And I think that's something that and trustees you know with the the long-term nature of um, particularly trust structures we can take that view and um, and have those conversations with our clients Um, we also have uh, access to a range of um, advisors in guernsey and internationally so we can work with um, the experts to help um, target uh, good investment outcomes but whilst um, being ethically aligned with you know, clients' views. Um, and I think it's something that we uh, at Albany aim now to ensure that all investment mandates that uh, that we look after um, do consider their environmental impact. Mm-hmm. Um, indeed, investment advisors are now very keen to promote their um, ESG credentials and, and ESG integration is, is forming a key part of their Investment process. So I think um, we, when we're developing um, perhaps a, a mandate for a trust structure with with an investment manager, we'll we'll be having those conversations with our clients to get what um, to understand what their views are on environmental matters such as climate change and uh, clean technology, um, the social matters, health and safety. Um, fair trade,
0: mm-hmm.
4: um, and also governance. Um, you know, for example, compensation disclosure to help um, kind of build that into um, the management of their the structures so that they are fully aligned um, with the views and particularly of the of the younger generation. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I mean, Julian. I mean, she touched on it in the first panel, but I and I didn't have the opportunity to, so there was a point that I was making, but she was talking about the ESG mm. initiative from the Big Four this week, mm. but very much in that, going the, the fiduciary duty context, we've, we've had those conversations and we been around the houses for many years now. So explaining that in terms of the overall fiduciary duty, the understanding the incorporation, and the mentally the understanding the ESG factors is, is, is actually going to lead to a better investment decision in the long run. Not only that, it's an effort for fiduciary duty to take these things to those climate Absolutely. risk and actually the TCFD agenda k- keeps off the whole sort of, um, sort, of th- 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 sort of this 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 um, uh, phase of development, is about the sort of disclosure of risks for clients.
4: Yeah, but and it's, a, it's a topic that you know the GFSC, mm-hmm. um, as we've mentioned, are, are, you know, are keen on this area. Yeah. They're encouraging the the licensee to con- consider the impacts mm-hmm. um, for their businesses and. It is a it's a risk management, risk mitigation. Yeah, it's a and
1: again, the as well. as a green fund that Annette was explaining has this ESG overlay as well. So the regulators even brought this into regulation for funds. Mm-hmm. So and that's
0: in the sort of, in the regulated funds space, mm-hmm. the issue space about the the incorporation. That's what clients are asking for. But in terms of and also we clients are looking for particularly in the space of mentioning about trust structures and, and, and structures in terms of philanthropy because they're investing for impact. So and if I, if I may come to you, the conversation there was the first time we talked about returns and then you know investors looking to generate return. How are they, from your perspective, managing, you know, that desire for return, and the desire for impact? And you know, particularly in the private wealth space, uh, for office and beneficiaries, what are the opportunities in Guernsey for them to make an
1: impact?
3: Um, I think that's a, a really good point, Andy. So we do see impact investing here mm. here in <coughs> Oh, excuse me. Oh no, Actually, oh, no. thank you. Breaking my throat and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. exactly. Um, and so, when, when I'm talking about um, impact investing, um, what I'm meaning there is basically making um, um, an investment which is um, also intended to have an impo- a positive environmental or social outcome um, alongside a financial return. So, in a sense, it, it really contrasts with ESG which um, you know, we've been talking a lot about today, which is much more of a, an evaluation tool. Um, and so really good examples of impact investing might be um, investing for the purpose of a clean water project for um, low carbon emissions or affordable housing. And globally, we have seen some really big players such as TPG, Bain Capital, Macquarie um, raising impact funds. Now, how we're seeing impact funds here in Guernsey, um, um, I think traditionally this has been the preserve of of the private wealth, you know, we used to call it philanthropy, and as Emmeline has explained, we've got um, some fantastic structures here, particularly trusts which have facilitated that over the years. I think the thing that we are seeing that's really interesting. Now is an increased use of structures, so so moving away from the trusts, but more to the PTCS and also to the foundations, because that allows the family to have more of an administrative role um, in in the in the um, impact investment itself. Um, the other thing I think which is important with um, impact investing in the private wealth sector is you know there's always the need to to bring in the expert here, and we're really lucky here. In Guernsey, to have another, uh, to have a number of, um, of, of um, associations who are able to provide that expertise, so they can advise um, on setting an impact investment strategy and also, you know, how to how to measure its impact. So that's private wealth, um, but we also have impact investing on the fund side. Now typically here your type of investor is going to be more institutional, might also be sophisticated or high net worth individual as well. Um, More often we're seeing it in the GPLP um, structures. We have a really good um, regulatory products on the fund side. That suit that impact investing. In particular, we have our private investment funds for under 50 investors who are sophisticated, or if they're going to be more than 50 investors, you're probably looking at a registered fund product. And both of these um, are quick to market and have a lighter regulatory touch. I think the um, the the final point, which I really wanted to say about impact investing, is that I think it's fair to say at the moment um, that there isn't really any global alignment in terms of you know what, what is a consensus for measuring impact. So each impact fund investment or family, they will really set their own objectives here and then decide how they want to measure it, you know, how much impact compared to return. Well, we've been talking a lot about generational change, um, you know, and I I think what we will see is it is likely that, um, you know, as there is this generational change, I would expect um, that um, those impact... um, the the way that we measure impact will become more internationally aligned. And the really important point here is that Guernsey is really well placed, um, you know, for the reasons that we have explained in terms of our service providers, that, you know, we can provide the bespoke solution um, for for impact investing that want to set their own strategy and, and measure because you know this is what we've been doing for years, but also thinking back to what I said earlier about our international alignment and standards. You know, when we do move to more of an alignment internationally on on impact investing, then I think we're going to be really well placed to be able to assist with that journey as well. Yeah, I, I agree, and, and I suppose in terms of
0: measuring the impact, we're looking at. Sort of... We're all versed in this space. We talk about sustainable development goals and climate change being number 13. And generally when we're talking about making an impact in the the green space, the environmental space, it's usually about climate change mitigation. It's usually about reduction of carbon content. So I'm going to go out on a limb limb here sort of thing. That's a fairly straightforward one to do. And I'm going to guess, in terms of clients' to, you know, requirements for measurement and, and such, it is something that, you know, there, there are lots of different international rules that you can, you can follow, but do you see that from a client perspective, that they are looking for, a, you know, a huge smaller of, of of measurement, or they're looking for simple measures? And to making an impact and to sort of generate a return at the same time concurrently. You know, there was, there was conversations from Julian earlier talking about that, and you know that social interest and that self interest. She talked about Adam Smith and such. Is that is that you're looking, Emily or Rebecca? Is is that a motivation from clients that they want to? So sort of see that return and have that measurement an impact in the, in the ability to provide that overall safe haven environment to achieve those two objectives is, is, is that something that you see developing? Is, is that what's leading to that two times increase in investment in this in this space?
4: Yeah, I think it's it's for particularly the fiduciaries, it's it's a balance between um, you know the the investment return and the environmental values. Mm. Um, I think. Perhaps with what Franz for saying um, more about the the impact investing, then um, the more kind of um, specific structures, for example, the PTCs mm. and foundations, um, whereas your traditional um, trust structure is perhaps perhaps a bit more um, of the, the balanced approach.
1: Mm. But we also have some uh, trust structures that are purely. Uh, impact in their nature where they're not expecting a return because the return has more of a people, planet and prosperity Mm -hmm. aspect to it Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's where we're seeing a lot more thought going into it as well. There's a lot of evidence to say that uh, you will still get a return when you consider this as well and the more people that are realising that the more they're requesting that from their their structures as well which is a really important move in that area and um, one of the things that's come out recently is the world economic forum's uh, white paper on standardising the esg metrics which is really interesting because that feeds into defining esg as Obviously, the governance side, which you've drawn on, and we know is very prevalent in this island as well, on the way that we oversee all types of structures here, but also the planners, the people, and prosperity, and how to actually. Measure that, and bringing all the different uh, SDGs together, and making sure that there's some type of uniformity mm-hmm. for this transparency, which is so important in this area, which then leads into people being able to make those right decisions for their for their private wealth as well
0: i mean and, and that sort of lends itself to the point been made earlier about the guernsey dna of being able to align mm. ourselves with various different with our flexibility to be able to do that we're not constrained mm. by being part of a supranational body so therefore the ability to do that yeah. so well, we've talked about the guernsey green fund quite at length uh, which was obviously our first sort of product in this space to so use that americanism but rebecca we've talked about that now but you know in terms of other private wealth uh, investors the other products what other products do you see that we've, got, that we've developed in this space that we've got you know, that inherent flexibility to be able to do that uh, and what are other things that you see would be useful driving investment uh, in this space
1: mm. well certainly as probably everyone's heard guernsey's out a of real drive into this area um uh, and investments into sustainability as well uh, Headquarters in Guernsey is the International Stock Exchange, uh, and that has a green segment on their market, uh, which allows not just investment funds and uh, bonds, but also trading entities as well. Uh, So if a a company has a green criteria as as their... um, that their reason for uh, setting up as a business, they can actually list all, on the international stock exchange as well as investment funds that meet the criteria similar to to the green funds, but also bonds as well. So that's a really good um, innovative approach by the stock exchange here. We've also got ILS and catastrophe bonds as well. Uh, we've got green loans which uh, borrowers can uh, borrow. I can't even know the (laughs) words we've got the green insurance as well. So that innovation is really there. But I think the three key features for Guernsey that's really driving this investment is that our products are robust and transparent. And I think everyone would have heard that from what we're talking about at the moment. But also our, our regulatory regime is reliable and innovative, which again shows that you come to Guernsey, you, you're not just going to be static. Things will be moving and you can move with them, whether you're a fund manager or Looking to to come into a jurisdiction. But then also, the other third point of why Gansi is good for driving investments is our our service providers. (laughs) I'm just going to (laughs) plug for obvious reasons. We're we're obviously aligned with that climate agenda uh, and the emergency. Uh, that needs to be mitigated through the financial services available, mm. uh, and putting uh, capital into the projects that are really going to make a difference. Mm. Uh, that sustainable investment is really important, mm. uh, and Guernsey's here to help.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things nowadays. It all sort of became, for a period, a bit shameful to be, you know, a believer in capitalism as it you were. Know, but it was nice, and, you know, mm. the fact that private capital can can do social good. You know, you know, at the end of the day. Uh, as it was the conversation from the previous panel it so it's not purely governments that are going to be the only ones or protesting the only ones that are actually going to achieve the goals of the SDGs and achieve the like uh, ipcc targets
1: mm-hmm. i'd come to
0: you now you've been mm-hmm. so one of most sort of successful proponents in this space in terms of caring and yourself personally uh, about you know developing the, the actual benji green fund regime and the we've I mean, again we'll be on the show together yes. In terms of the development and the financing of these goals, and the how much private capital is out there, and what's your experience really in terms of the, what's been the experience when you've had the right sort of product? What What are the investors or the clients coming to you? Uh, you know, what have you seen? Uh, you know, just to take us a little bit of the market perspective from your from your
2: personal. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's, it's pretty much everything that we've covered today. So we're, we're seeing cold calling on the Guernsey Green Fund now as the kite mark gains in recognition. Um, but we're also seeing on the private wealth side of things, and that's what makes um, it such a good jurisdiction in that you can have regulated and unregulated products here that can do everything from you know, what Fran was saying earlier, which is, which is key. You know, when you're trying to measure your impact, um, you know, if you're in social housing, that's really simple and, you, and that quite often will be through a regulated product and a regulated fund and you can see if the social housing is being built and if it's filled with tenants and you know you can see your measurable impact you go right through to the private wealth sphere where you have a client who actually may be philanthropic and wants to invest with the idea of clean water that's probably You think on the face of it that's very easy to measure but actually what is clean, how far can you take it, what is an acceptable level, which drinking standard you want to get to. Those things are all key and they need to be able to be fit within a product and that's where the unregulated products and the flexibility comes in so that you can just set whatever you you want to do. So in terms of what we see in Guernsey, we see everything from the high net worth individuals Mm -hmm. through to the institutions through to the pension funds. You know, five, six years ago when we were looking at impact and green, the institutions were largely ticking a box. You know, so they were like, yes, okay, I can say I've got this, I've got this budget allocated to me, I'm going to put that in an impact fund, I'm going to put that in a green fund, and then I can say yes, I've met my, you know, I've looked at my SG and I've considered it and I can tell the board we're okay. Now you see it a much more active role. You know, we, we it's not just an allocation in the budget. It's in every investment. The consideration of the ESG factors. The consideration of the impact. So
0: that's got. That's a good point, mate. We we did the survey last year. The family mm-hmm. offices, of finance and sustainability. We discovered that you know even those. The greatest advocates in this space were only looking at 15 percent of their overall portfolio. Do you get a sense that, that that's that's similarly now, or I'm for Rebecca and, I'm asking you, and then in terms of your clients? Is that you know that that point that Annette makes is it embedded across the compute portfolio nowadays? Yeah, it's becoming
1: more so. it's becoming more so. There's still a way to go because not every one of the portfolios are applying this. Yeah. But like i said we've had a two-fold increase in the last two years it can only get a higher proportion and more portfolios wanting to have this in so i'm positive for the future is that the same for you
4: i think and and i think as, as was discussed in the earlier session um the the ability now to um more easily balance the returns um versus mm-hmm. the kind of sustainable investments um that's that's increasing so that whereas historically um, perhaps there was the focus on the returns w- w- was obviously paramount obviously it's a key um a key concern for for fiduciaries um but the ability now to incorporate uh esg um into um portfolios and still achieve the returns mm-hmm.
1: um, and the like you said out, it's like a long growth. term Buy and hold strategy, which yeah. feeds into what Guy Hands was saying earlier, that it, it's not just the short term returns; it, it's got to be the long term, and that fits in with the family and succession planning as well, to make sure that investments actually have that longevity.
0: Frank, is that your experience too? In terms of that, the interest that you get from clients there.
3: Yes it is you know and I think I think the interesting thing really is you know as I was you know kind of reflecting it's you know we've been five years since Paris you know and sometimes you can kind of think you know what have we kind of achieved but actually I mean I think I think what we can all say we've achieved is that you know investment and investment products in this space you know has become mainstream you know so that you know it is it is not just you know the, the the philanthropy um, of the reserve of the, of the high net wells Now, you know, even you know your average person's you know pension pot. You can go and sit down and talk and talk to your advisor, and you know having um, an ESG um, layer on that is now achievable um, because because the products are available and the returns are there for the reasons that our you know our, our previous panel you know and their expertise there were explaining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great.
0: Sorry, thanks I talk about the previous panel because there was something that they, that they mentioned that, we, that we've not addressed yet, we've not mentioned, but I was wondering, we've gone 45 minutes and now talking about COVID-19, it's, it's an <laughs> amazing 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, you obviously our experience here in Guernsey is very different to, to a lot of people around the globe, but and, and Rebecca, you talked about the doubling of, of, of moving capital into sustainable investment. Tim asked... It. You know, previous panel, if they felt that COVID had had an impact in this space, and it, you know, it may be too still too easy to you know, to call or too early to call, I should say. Yeah. Rather soon. Do you feel that, that that's having
2: an impact over in, in, in the last sort of, three to five months? Have you, you sensed any change? I do, in the sense that ESG was mainstream before the pandemic. Struck. What the pandemic has highlighted to us all is the systemic risks of the way in which we live and the consequences of our society. So it has certainly brought it front and centre of people's minds, and it is now mainstream. As Fred has said, you know, and I I hope that what happens now is that generates into more investment in this space. Mm. Um, we certainly see more inquiries, but. It has joined the everyday conversation. You know, every day you see more stories about the pandemic, every day you see more stories about ESG, sustainable finance, impact investing. in was saying, you know, they have a dedicated space for this and every day it'll pop into your inbox with more stories in this area. So it's too early to call, but we sincerely hope that this will drive more into this area. And with the intergenerational wealth shift that Emily was mentioning before, I think it will. Um, The risk is, of course, that the pandemic has been very costly. So,
0: yes, so, obviously with the, with the experience all the, with the, the news that you see about the second mm-hmm. round across Europe, it's still a still a days to say that we're we're past mm-hmm. through that. Have
1: mm-hmm. you explained the Guernsey does? why we're sat all together. <laughs> I have and I am <laughs> <laughs> I I I <laughs> <laughs>
0: here. Uh, we, 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 as I explained earlier, we're a, we're a small small island of coastal northern France, yes. seven miles by four, and we're very fortunate to have had a very different experience to Covid. Um, we did have a lockdown as well, yes. uh, as said, well we, but we were, we were talking about that compliance culture, and actually if you look at the research, those that have had the most successful lockdowns were the way compliance was the most did to. And yes, I think it's fair to say that we were very, very compliant as a, as a, as a community to, to those roles. And we were able to exit lockdown in, in early June. And we've been um, COVID free for a long period of time. But as a jurisdiction, we were able to demonstrate resilience because of we're very fortunate. It's very difficult to you get the right tone when you're, when you're talking about that. I mean, yes. very fortunate. Yes. But it's been useful in terms of the resilience, the ability to service clients that continuous as we go through yeah. it is. Yeah. i mean I, i'm appreciative of time and what i'm going to do is, is maybe is, is, is take a question to show that it is live from, you know, from, from, <laughs> from the audience it wasn't all completely uh, fabricated or you know sort of like rehearsal script and if i if i may there's i've got a question from the states actually um it's, it's, it's about, and I think we, we, may have, we may have sort of covered this already, but if, it's Eric Ramirez from that. Rose Fulbright. Oh. Um, yes. In terms of the sustainable vessel trend in Guernsey, and he says, how quick is it moving? I think it's clear that it's upward, but you know, how, how quick are we, around? how much are we drinking the cool aid and you know, how much are we actually seeing the private wealth moving to this space?
2: I think Re- Rebecca's statistic is you know, that it has doubled in terms um, in the last two years, wasn't mm-hmm. it Rebecca? And then Emily, you, the, our regulator is encouraging you to have all these conversations mm-hmm. in the PE space, uh, the private equity and the investor fund space. Friend, we we see this as it rapidly evolving. So a lot of our clients who have their funds here and have their um, unregulated products here are setting up dedicated ESG teams, dedicated sustainable investment teams, and you know, it's expanding rapidly. The inquiries we're getting I'm getting probably one or two cold calls a week on the Green Fund alone, but that doesn't mean that they're all translating, they're not. But you know, the interest is there.
3: And I think really the motivation for all of this is you know kind of five years ago it, it was more a sense of you know people doing this because they wanted to you know the the, the guy hands sense of you know trying to to make the world a better place and you've got the individual kind of you know fighting there to do this there's much more of a sense now here i think in guernsey and i think this is globally as well but you know now this this initiative is 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 driven as well by 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 the regulators, you know, by, you know, and and I think because of that, it is now um, no longer, um, you know, clients who are interested in this saying, what can you do to help me? But I think as well it is the service providers and the regulators encouraging everyone to have the conversation. Or even it is assumed that you know ESG is fundamentally part of the products and services that we provide. And so actually, you know, b- before I came on this, you know, and I was just kind of having that moment of you know, the sense of you know, what have we achieved in the last five years? Mm. Actually, um since I've had that conversation in my brain and which I'm now having in front of so many people here, you know actually I think we've achieved an awful lot and i'm 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 feeling really very positive um about the difference that has made, but it's because um this is now internationally led we've got more moving to the international standards and the effect of, of regulation. Mm.
0: Yeah. Sorry, we're begging the audience, question I suppose on behalf of all those a couple of times, you've got the sound bite of the number as well, which is always, always very nice. <laughs> it's always
1: helpful,
0: isn't <laughs> it? Mean, I mean, again, you know, in terms of what, compared what taking the temperature from now to say three, three years ago?
4: I think there's definitely a lot more conversation around ESG. I mean, um particularly corporate governance has been been you know, key and, and a core principle for, for us as, as fiduciaries, um, but um, there's definitely, we're having more conversations with um, the investment managers about um, ESG just being part of um, the, the portfolios.
1: Mm. Actually corporate governance has always been at the heart Of a lot of what Guernsey offers, and actually the financial um, services industry offers globally. Every jurisdiction has a corporate governance code. Who's to say, in the future, we might see an ESG code that we start to see in play where really corporate governance is expanded? It's always already had an environmental aspect to it and its place in society and the reason for corporate governance sits very much within that, but now giving it this moniker of ESG means it's expanded and we should see more in the future, where we have something which has um, a bit more of a formalising nature to it,
0: mm. yeah, we've got time for I think one more question. Just looking at the clock there, I've got the clock down there in front of me as well. And which is Yan uh, Lo from uh, MJ Hotel in the UK. Mm-hmm. This is a, slightly negative, but what I don't want to end on down, or is it? Well, but what are the main barriers you see to, to for, for private investors? What are the main barriers they face when they're trying to invest in this space? I'm mean, so
2: oh, sorry, I, I was just yeah. going to say actually one of the um, one of the things that we see is that our funds are over, the funds that are green and investing in the space, and, it, and Anastasia said on the previous panel that the the returns now match, and, and there is more assets coming into the space. So there just isn't enough to service the investor demand at the moment. Lack of supply. You know, lack of supply of any. You know, For example, with the forestry fund, there is only so much land that the forestry fund can buy, so it has to limit it, whereas it's got investors queuing up saying, please, let me in.
3: And I think what I was going to say was on the Private wealth side. I'm interested. This is your experience as well. Um, You know, I I think that conversation is is much more family-led and can actually um, really engage. You know, different views within the family, and so it's it's much more. I I think I think a a barrier there is it's not necessarily about bringing um, or introducing the ESG theme, but it's it's finding the right opportunity to
4: to discuss. You know, to discuss with the family yeah I that's no the i experience. think I'd, I'd agree there and i think it's it's the um kind of evolving the perception of almost the, the view of there was historically perhaps a bit more of a trade-off between return and um kind of sustainable mm-hmm. investments and now is as, as discussed in, in the earlier panel um it's it's getting more aligned mm-hmm. um and i think that's probably one of the 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 challenges for fiduciaries, and it's ensuring that um, they're still getting the return on the investments um, and whilst balancing it with the um, the ESG credentials. Mm -hmm. And that
1: comparability between investments that are in front of Mm -hmm. you and standardising, that's certainly a barrier at the moment to understanding uh, which investments to go into as well. So, that, that would be very good for that to come through. Okay. Well, uh, one final
0: question then you know, we, we were all um so i think the previous panel were asked the question about looking forward over the course of the next year obviously we're talking about 26 in you know in the uk next year president of the bva summit mark Kane is speaking at next week and we you know in our space we've been involved in uh, the development of the green pea principles and also apparently we might be frozen but, but there they are just in case <laughs> anyone can see them but we're involved in the development of them to provide the guidance to the market if you had a wish list for sort of Christmas for this year, is there anything in crystal gazing that you'd like to see happening in this space that would help private capital move forward?
2: Standardisation of, of all of the different um, standards that are out there, you know, or harmonisation is probably the better one, isn't it, of those standards?
1: Yeah, yeah I agree greater.
0: with that. And so as you said, would you agree with Julian that, that said this week, that the, the big full move into this sort of thing? To the standardisation of the ESG space, in particular, you know, it's an all-encompassing. It would be, would be a, would be on your letter to Santa this year. It would be helpful
2: moving forward. Net carbon, net carbon, um, net zero. Sorry carbon targets well. moving those forward if we're on a you know from wish list well it's good to
0: see the challenge with the 2060 commitment this year and obviously in guernsey we've got about 2050 commitment mm-hmm. and obviously with the, with the eu hopefully bringing that further forward but um yeah thank you annette for sort of bringing us back down to the you know the purpose of it but, i don't know, like, <laughs> I'm shocked it was about so many different things we've forgotten to you know natural the key issue of, of, of net zero and the race to zero this week,
1: and um, but is reporting and disclosure, Andy? You know, in terms of the transparency for businesses and things like that.
0: That's I mean, to those and more. I think would be interesting mm-hmm. this year, sort of because at the end of the day, I mean, it, when we develop the Green Billion principles, the concept and this isn't stranger, the concept of actually reporting your portfolio and the carbon commitment in your portfolio will seem to be an effort to some people. You know, what are you talking about? Can't be done. Must be impossible. And now yet, yeah, you know, a year later over the course of twenty nineteen, a year later, you know, it's almost like well of course you would report your carbon content of your portfolio, surely it wouldn't you? But then yeah, the reality is i think people, many people are still a long way away from that mm. but i do think if you can develop that sort of service that would give you that report for your portfolio it would be a very useful singular metric to mm. use that mm. well look i do appreciate on the time it just remains to to thank the panel and uh Emily just made the point there that we have had sound but apparently not necessarily uh, visual for a few minutes now so uh, time is up i'd like to start to conclude And before I thank my panel, I'd just like to summarise some of the key takeaways for me across the two panels this afternoon. Mm -hmm. And looking here, they they resonate and echo, I think, from a lot of what we had in Sustainable Finance Week here in June. Um, You know, notwithstanding governments and, and public policy, private capital... Has an increasing role in uh, you know the interfining sustainable finance and climate finance. then the relationship between public and private will change. And I think that was a, a very much a conversation of the first panel. But particularly to enabling that um, routing of private capital to the climate finance and sustainable goals, that the appropriate structures and services are required. You know, from our perspective in Guernsey. We're fully committed to the space, and a lot of our uh, services and structures uh, are already aligned, if not more so, than many, uh, to the, to the space and to this cause. You know, at the, at the macro level, you know, COVID-19 and that recovery probably should be to a, a, a new but not uh, a new world order, not a or return to normal. Um, and finally, to achieve all of that, you know, it's, it's going to require global cooperation and global engagement and learning from each other uh, for that global cooperation, but particularly also the public and private uh, roles and engagement is key. Mm-hmm. So, it just remains to thank our panel here in Guernsey, Annette Alexandra from Carey's. they also, I should say, Emily Holden. I've, again, I've originally gone there, I can't believe the, the <laughs> inability to think on my feet. That you're sat here giving orders to what was expected. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs>
3: this
0: is Watson from around, and the yeah. Holden the Trustees, and Rebecca Booth from Carey's. Um, so it was a very interesting discussion, and also just once again thank our. Uh, previous panellists Tim Hames doing a Stirling with John that panel with Guy Hans from Terraferno, Cesar Moroso from JP Morgan and Gillian Tett from the FT. And a final two points and one on that sort of like uh, you know, thank you for viewing to the audience here and if you can uh, still see us in the final word on that point of global cooperation please do join us for our next webinar from Guernsey Finance which will be a joint uh, webinar with the Hong Kong Green Finance Association uh, looking at financing green through sustainable finance and fund structures on the 8th of October 2020. Um, and also, just to sort of a big shout out for us if you will be able to join us in our hybrid uh, event, we will be doing our second sustainable finance week in the week of June 7th in 2021. So, if you can see us, that's magic. And if you can't, hopefully, you can hear us. Uh, it's been a great afternoon. Thank you all so much to everybody here and uh time to sort of uh, the yard and the sun and set and this uh, for us here in guernsey it's uh, late uh, late evening and obviously in the u.s you have a great afternoon and enjoy the rest of new york climate week 2020 it's been fantastic to you, and a privilege to take part and we hope to see you in person
2: next year thank you very much everybody